right, if you guys would please stand with me for the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. I hope my dad is listening online and heard that I got that right because I have been practicing and I've been waiting a really long time to use that line. And so I hope that he is hearing that right now. Um, but uh, like we said uh, in prayer time, they, Pastor and Don are, it's weird to call them that, my mom and dad, are on vacation and uh, they send their love and say that they miss you all and love you so much and they're excited about getting some time away and being refreshed and ready to come back and do some awesome work for the Lord here. So um, this morning our text is going to be Psalm 14 verse 2. So let's read that together. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand and any who seek God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I just come to you today and I just ask that you would be in this place. Lord, I thank you for your presence that we felt in worship, God. I pray that you would continue to move. I pray that you would use me this morning to be your mouthpiece, Lord. I pray that I would not say anything that I'm not supposed to say, and I would say only what you would have me to say. God, I pray for everyone in this congregation that you would give us ears to hear, give us open hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can be reseated this morning. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the pursuit the pursuit. And so um, I looked up the definition of pursue, and it says this, to follow something or someone in order to catch it, to seek to form a relationship with someone in a persistent way. Now, a lot of you might not know, but my husband, Sean, and I, um, our anniversary will be 17 years um, on June 30th. So just in a couple weeks, we will have our 17-year anniversary, and um, that's exciting. I I know we got married when I was 10, but I wouldn't suggest it, you know, but it doesn't work for everybody, but for for me it worked, right? Um, Talking about our relationship and kind of thinking about this definition of to pursue, to follow someone or something in order to catch it, um, Sean, he, he was pretty good. I was not easy to catch. Let me just say that, okay? I didn't just, you know, let him walk right up and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go for this. I, I made him work for it just a little bit. So um, we met when we were in Master's Commission. It's a discipleship training program, and we met there and A few weeks into the program, we actually got put on a team together to minister um, at a children's conference. And so I was going to be leading worship for the children's conference, and Sean was my piano player. Did you guys know he plays the piano? So, um... So because of that, we had to, you know, work together. We had to have some meetings, and we picked out songs, and then we'd have practices and stuff. So that's kind of how um, we got to know each other a little bit, and we met. Um, You know, I had—that conference, I think, was in October— and I had, we'd been in Master's Commission since August, so we had known each other since August, but October was kind of when we had our first little connection. Well, after that children's conference, somehow, everywhere I went, Sean seemed to be there. I mean, it was like I would be going out to the movies with a bunch of my friends. I didn't invite him. I didn't know he was going to be there, but I would show up and 
there was Sean, big, happy, smiley Sean. And somehow he would just end up being sitting right next to me. We would go out to eat, and I would be meeting some friends for dinner at a restaurant somewhere. I didn't invite him. I didn't know he was coming, but I would show up, and there was Sean, and usually sitting right across from me or right beside me. Somehow, you know, every, throughout the day, all day, every day, Sean just seemed to be popping up everywhere. It was like I went from August to October barely seeing him, then we do this conference together, and all of a sudden, I mean... This guy is everywhere. I, why did I not notice him before? Hmm, I wonder. Why did I not notice him before? So that was okay with me, though. I mean, I thought he was a nice guy. We were friends. Uh, we enjoyed each other's company. We spent a lot of time together in groups and stuff like that. So Christmas break uh, comes around, and I come home for Christmas. He goes to California for Christmas. And while I'm home, I get a package in the mail over Christmas break. And uh, he sends me this. I used to collect lighthouses. I loved lighthouses. And so he sends me this lighthouse of Santa Cruz, kind of where the area he's from. He, I guess, I didn't know this at the time, but he drove to Santa Cruz. He went to the lighthouse. He bought the lighthouse. He actually even took a picture of himself like this <laughs> out in front of the lighthouse. Um, and he sent that. He made a card with it and sent that to me. Um, and so I... I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, yeah, we're cool, we're friends, you know, I get home from Christmas, I get this gift, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, my, my parents were kind of like, who is this guy, my friends were like, uh, my friends started calling him Just a Friend, that was his name, Just a Friend, um, because they kept asking me, um, who is that guy, and I was like, he's just a friend, and they're like, oh yeah, Just a Friend, mm-hmm. and so they would call and ask me, so how's things going with Just a Friend, and um, so, so I get home from, you know, I'm kind of thinking, okay, obviously he's showing up everywhere that I am. He sends me this gift. He actually was picking me up from the airport when I got home from uh, Christmas break. So he picks me up from the airport, and I'm a little awkward at this point because I had got the gift, and so I'm kind of starting to realize why he was showing up everywhere that I happened to be. And um, he takes me, and we go eat, I think it was at Denny's, and... Over Denny's, he just begins to pour out his heart and how much he likes me and how he just thinks I'm so incredible and he would love to have a relationship with me and take it further than just being friends. And I'm sitting across from him and don't get me wrong, like it wasn't that I didn't like him, I just was still in just a friend mode. And so I was kind of like, so he's like pouring out his heart to me and I just looked at him and I said, okay. That was it. I gave him nothing else. So the rest of the dinner was a little awkward. <clears throat> and then we go, and he drops me off and takes me home. Now, mind you, that's after Christmas, so that's like January 1. Um, I made him continue to pursue and follow me around all the way until February 8th without giving him a word of, but okay. <laughs> I mean, at least I didn't say, no, yuck, right? You know, I just said, okay. Um, in my mind, I, I wasn't, like I said, it wasn't that I didn't like him. I just wanted to make sure that he was, like, the right thing. I, want, I didn't want to make a, a, a dumb decision. I wanted to make sure it was right. And also, I wanted him to meet my parents. And they were coming in February. So poor Sean had to wait a while. Um, so they came to, my parents came to a conference in February. They met Sean and kind of got the, gave, gave us the thumbs up, gave me the thumbs up. So 
on Valentine's Day, we had our first date, and I actually said more than okay to him. I told them, yes, um, I would like to date you, and um, here we are, 17 years later. Actually, it's like 19 years later from that moment. And so um, why do I tell you this story? Because he was willing to pursue, right? I mean, I did not make it easy for him. He had to be on the pursuit. And thankfully, I am thankfully today that he did not give up. So this morning, I want to talk about the pursuit. And the first thing I want to talk about the pursuit is, number one, God's pursuit of us. God's pursuit of us. You see, we serve a seeking, chasing, and pursuing God. All throughout the scripture, it reveals our God as a seeker. He's always looking for us. He's on a continual pursuit for our hearts. In Psalm 14, too, like our uh, scripture said, it said the Lord looks down from heaven. He's looking for us. He's seeking for us on all mankind to see if there are any who understand and any who seek God. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. But you know what? He didn't just stay up in heaven and seek us with his eyes. He actually came down to earth to continue his pursuit. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, all throughout Scripture, we see God, that he's on this quest. He's chasing. He's pursuing us. You know, my mom, sorry for all those grandmas out there, but my mom is the best Grammy that ever lived. I mean, I'm telling you, her grandkids love and adore you, adore her. Sometimes I think Ellie likes her even better than me. And, um, I mean, her grandkids have always loved her. Um, until recently, she does have one grandchild that is not a big fan. My brother's newest little guy, he's two now, um, Easton, he is not a big fan of Grammy. He just doesn't really like her. Now, we know that the reason he doesn't like her is because every single Tuesday, my mom goes to Burleson, and she watches Easton for Chad and Amber so that they can go to church and get their work done. So to Easton, when Grammy comes, he knows mama's leaving. And so that's kind of why he doesn't like her, but it's kind of funny because we like to kind of tease my mom about that fact because, you know, she's always been the favorite. Everybody's always loved her. So um, it got so bad, in fact, that every single time my mom would go to visit or go walk in Chad and Amber's door, Easton would see her, start screaming, run away, and hide under the table. I mean, not one time, not two times, every single time my mom would walk in the door, Easton would see her, run and hide under the table. So in the beginning, my mom would just kind of ignore it and just was like, you know what, She'll, he'll, get, he'll get over it and we'll connect. I'll just let him be and I'll do work around the house or whatever. He'll come out when he's ready. But you know, he just really was never warming up to her. So finally, she decided, I'm going to take a different approach. So she came over one day. He screams, he runs, he hides under the table. But she was prepared. So she came and she got and she sits, just kind of sits on the floor not quite under the table, giving him his space. She brought some candy. <laughs> Easton, you want some candy? Eh, eh, you know, I don't know. He's not sure, but, you know, a two-year-old and candy, who can resist, right? So, you know, she'd pass him a little candy. 
we open it, and okay, that's a little better. And cars are actually his, his favorite thing. He loves cars. So she'd buy him new cars, and she'd come, and she'd, Easton, I bought you a new car. Sometimes she would even get under the table with him and play with him with the cars until he warmed up and he wanted to come out. He, she was coaxing him. She was wooing him out. She was pursuing him. I think that this story is a really good picture of God's pursuit for us. I want us to notice two things about God's pursuit for us. Number one, his pursuit is patient. His pursuit is patient. You know, my mom, she waited for, she didn't just go over, over the table, grab him out and say, get out here, stop acting like a toot, you know, like, you're, no, she was patient. She let him get comfortable. She even got under the table with him if that was what he needed. You know, God doesn't just show us patience. He actually is patience. He is patience. In 1 John 4, 16, it says God is love. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says love is patience. So that tells me that God equals patience. He said so himself when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and the Lord descended like a cloud and he proclaimed, I am the Lord God. I am merciful and very patient with my people. You know, a couple weeks ago when Sean was speaking about the fruit of the Spirit and he was talking about patience, he taught us that in many translations, the word patience is actually translated as long-suffering, which is two Hebrew words that are put together. The first word, um, Hebrew word for long-suffering is arach, and that means long, patient, and slow. And the second word for that is af, and that means nostril, face, or anger. So basically, in other words, God waits a really long time before he gets all up in our face. (laughs) You see, the Lord is patient in pursuit of us, not because we deserve his patience, but because it is who he is. You know, another reason why God is patient in his pursuit is because it's necessary for our salvation. It's necessary. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And in 2 Peter 3, 15, he says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Our Lord's patience means salvation. If he wasn't patient, we would all be done for. We would all be done for. But thankfully, he is patience, and that is why we are saved. In 1 Timothy 1, 1, verse 16, it says, this is Paul talking. I love this scripture. He says, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. He's showing off in us his endless patience. God is patient in his pursuit of you. Those of you who have been um, saved, he waited on you. Aren't you glad he waited on you? You know what? There's others of you that might be in this room and you have not Um, given your life to Christ. Well, I want to tell you, he's patiently waiting on you as well. He's pursuing you even now through this message. 
he's speaking to your heart, and he wants you to know he's been looking for you. He wants you. And he's waiting for you to come out from under the table and enjoy the life that he has planned with you. Not only is God's pursuit of us a patient pursuit, but number two, his pursuit is personal. His pursuit is personal. Um, Luke 15 tells, uh, uh, Jesus is telling this, the parable of the lost sheep, and he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, no matter how many people there are in the world, God takes personal delight in me. It doesn't matter that the shepherd had 99 other sheep. He had lost his special sheep. How do I know he lost his special sheep? Because to a shepherd... Every sheep is special. You know, sometimes in big groups or corporations and companies, they'll celebrate people's birthdays like everybody's birthday in the month of May, and they just have one big old giant birthday party for everybody in May because they don't want to leave anybody out. You know, they want to make sure everybody gets celebrated. That's not how God does things. He had a special personal party just for me. He had a special personal party just for me. For you. If there was no one else on earth who ever sinned, God would have still sent his son to die just for me, just for you. That's how deep and personal his pursuit of us is. He will go to great lengths to draw us in. He knows what we need and when we need it. You think about my mom with Easton. She knew he couldn't say no to candy. She knew his favorite thing was cars. She was personal. She, she, she gave him his favorite thing to draw him in, and that's what God does to us. There's a story of a man named James Whitaker, and he was a member of a crew that flew a B-17 flying fortress. It was in October of 1942, and the whole crew was actually reported lost at sea. Somewhere over the Pacific, out of radio range, the plane ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean. The nine men spent the next month floating in three rafts. They battled heat and storms and water. Even sharks would come along and ram up against their lifeboats. And after only eight days, their rations were either eaten or destroyed by the salt water. You see, James Whitaker, he was an unbeliever. And that plane crash, it didn't even change his unbelief. Even all of those days facing death, did not make him reconsider his destiny. In fact, he grew very irritated with one of the members who continually, re- uh, one of the crew members who continually read his Bible and prayed out loud. He would tell the guy, if God is real, then why doesn't he help us now? But even though he was resisting, the word was still penetrating his soul. And one morning after the Bible reading, something landed on the captain's head, and, and the captain instinctively knew that it was a seagull But everybody's thinking, why would a seagull be out in the middle of the ocean with nowhere to land? Doesn't make any sense. 
Well, the captain caught that seagull, and they killed it, and the crew ate it, and they actually used the bird's intestines um, for bait to catch fish. And that is how the crew um, actually survived to tell the story. It was that miracle of this seagull out in the middle of nowhere that actually made Whitaker become a believer. Isn't that just like God? He will pursue you with whatever means necessary. Whatever you need, he will do it for you. He'll even send a missionary seagull if he has to. That is a personal pursuit. But let's just not talk this morning about God's pursuit of us, because that's real easy and that's exciting and it's, it's just awesome to feel so loved and so pursued by the Lord. But you know what? That's not enough. Number two, we need to talk about our pursuit of God. Have you ever been in a relationship or a friendship where it was just kind of one-sided and you felt like you were always doing the one pursuit, always the one doing all the pursuing? You know, you put in the work. If, if you guys were going to hang out or do something, you had to plan it. Um, you were the one who texted. You were the one who called. You put in all the effort. How many of you know that a relationship like that can get really old really quickly, right? The Bible tells us that we're made in the image of God. And so I believe if we don't like being in one-sided relationships, God probably doesn't either. I actually think God created us with this hole inside of us, this missing piece, so that we would have a desire to pursue and to seek him. Now, the problem is we try to pursue and fill that hole with all kinds of other different things that it's not designed for, but he put that there because he longs to be pursued by us. Why does God want us to pursue him? The same reason that we want to be pursued. He wants true fellowship with us, and true fellowship is two-way. It's not one way, it's two-way. He doesn't just want to always be the one that's initiating everything all the time. It's not enough for God to pursue us. He longs for us to pursue him. Let's look in uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. I believe that this story really shows a great picture of the way that God wants to be pursued. It says this, Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family are all in bed. I cannot help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. For everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. From this scripture, I want us to notice two ways that God wants to pursue him. Number one, he wants us to pursue him actively. Actively. The definition for the word actively is in a deliberate and positive way, in an energetic or vigorous way. There is no room for Christians to be passive in our pursuit of God. There's no, there's no room for passiveness. The man in the scripture, he didn't just sit around and, oh, wring his hands and worry. Oh, my friend's coming and I have no bread. He didn't just expect for some bread to fall from the sky no what did he do he got up 
He went over to his neighbor's house and he asked. He got active. There was nothing passive about this man. He was active. If you read this scripture again, you will see that before any need is ever met or any promise is ever fulfilled, every single time it requires action. It says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will open. All of these words are verbs. Now, I'm not an English teacher, but I do have a, a, a daughter who just finished first grade, and she told me that verbs are action words. And you know what? I think we need to be verbs for the Lord. We need to be verbs for the Lord. We need to be active in our pursuit of him, actively pursuing him. When I think about a woman in the Bible who actively pursued God, I think about the woman with the issue of blood. In Mark 5, it tells her story. It says, Jesus went with them, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. But she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. She actively pursued God for her healing. You know what? She found out where Jesus was going to be, and then she went there. Okay? She... Then when she got there, she didn't just stand in the back of the crowd and say, oh, hopefully he'll come over here, hopefully. No. Then she pushed through the crowd to get as close as she could to him. And even that wasn't enough. You know what? Even as she's standing right next to him, right close to him, then she reaches out and grabs and touches him. There's those verbs again. Going, pushing, reaching. We need to do this in our own relationship, in our own pursuit of God. You need to find out where God's going to be, and you need to get there. You know what? I'm not on a high horse or whatever about, about coming to church, but God is in this place, and you need to get here. The scripture says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, and so you know what? Maybe you need to begin to praise more because God will be there. Then once you get there, you need to push past distractions and laziness and fears and insecurity. Push past that stuff. And then finally, reach out and touch him. Pursuit requires action on our part. But not only does God want us to pursue him actively, he wants us to pursue him relentlessly. Relentlessly. The definition for relentless is oppressively constant, incessant, persistent, continual, non-stop. It's not enough to just pursue God one time and then we're done. We don't just get to come and have our salvation experience and have him forgive us of our sins and then we walk away and we're good. We need to pursue him. What would have happened to the man in the story if he would have stopped after the first knock? Oh, no one answered. After even the... Even the, the, he yelled out, no, you know, like, go away. He still stayed. He was still persistent. If he hadn't done that, there would have been no bread for his friend, right? There would have been no, nothing for them to eat. When I think about 
relentless, and I think about a pers uh, being persistent. I'm reminded of an old TV show that I used to watch when I was growing up. Um, do you guys ever, you guys remember the good old days of TGIF on Fridays? TGIF, it was like Friday nights from 6 to 9. It was all the good family, awesome TV shows. I missed those good old days. One of those shows was actually Family Matters, and that show was a funny show, and it, it was about a family, but then there was this, also this character in the show, and his name was Urkel. Do you guys, anybody remember Urkel? Well, Urkel was a nerd. I mean, he would, had the big old glasses, the suspenders, his pants pulled up high. He was a nerd, and he had a, you know, he had this laugh that he would do, and he would go, <laughs> Did I do that? And he was just, I mean, just the biggest nerd that you have ever seen in all of your life. And Laura was this other girl that was in the show, and he was in love with Laura. I mean, but, you know, nerd boy, he don't have a chance because Laura is this, this beautiful, cool, popular girl. But, oh, did he pursue, he was relentless in his pursuit of her. He was relentless. I remember one of the episodes, you know, he was, again, telling her how much he loved her and asking her out. And she kind of just looked at him and said, there is a one in five bazillion jillion chances that I would ever go out with you. And he looked at her and he said, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and then I think he walked away and he said, I'm wearing you down, baby. I'm wearing you down. And that is the kind of pursuit that God wants us to have with him persistent over and over and over again. We're wearing him down. So you're saying there's a chance. The scripture doesn't just tell us to ask. It actually says keep on asking. It doesn't just tell us to seek. It says keep on seeking. It doesn't just say knock. It says keep on knocking. Our pursuit of God is not one and done. We have to continually, relentlessly pursue him. Think about your closest earthly relationships. Um, most of us probably, those relationships, they don't happen overnight. They're strengthened because both of you made a decision to not give up on one another. You know what? No matter how busy your life gets, you're going to make that phone call. No matter how hard things get, you're going to forgive and you're going to continue to have that relationship. That's how closeness happens. When we're relentless, the same thing goes in our pursuit of God. And you know what? Your relationship and your pursuit of God is not always going to be easy. But when you decide to pursue the Lord with all of your heart, an attack might come your way. But God is asking you to be relentless. Don't give up. Continue to knock. Continue to seek. Try again and again and again. So God is asking us to be people who pursue him actively and relentlessly. And then this morning, finally, the third thing I want to talk about our pursuit is the promise of our pursuit. The promise of our pursuit. Let's continue the scripture um, that we read in Luke. And it says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion of course not. So if your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is not asking you to pursue him for no reason. There's a reward involved. And the reward is him. The reward is him. When we pursue God, he promises that we will get him. 
you know, God is always, he's sending us good things and he's taking care of us, but he deserves more than just our attention. He actually deserves our affection. He doesn't just want us to listen to him, but he wants us to know him and to follow hard after him. And when we do that, when we pursue him, we reap some huge benefits. Let's look at the scriptures. The scripture tells us so many promises that come to those who pursue God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Anybody looking for God this morning? You want to find him? He promises us if we seek him with all our heart, we get him. Psalm 9, um, verse 10 says, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Anybody feeling alone? God promises that if we seek him, we're never alone. He'll never forsake us. In 2 Chronicles 7:14 it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land." Anybody need forgiveness? Anybody need healing in this place? Here's the answer. If my people who are called by my name seek my face, if, they, if you pursue God, there is a reward for you. And then Matthew six thirty three it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You have a need in this place? Anybody have a need in this place? I have the answer. Seek the kingdom above all else and he will give you everything you need. If I could get um, the musicians to come and help me on the platform. You see, there is so much to gain when we choose to be a people that pursue God. I want us today to make a decision to actively and relentlessly pursue him. You know what? We need to ask him what he desires of us. We need to seek him out day after day after day. We need to knock on the door of opportunity until he opens the way to his will and to his presence. Never giving up on our pursuit. Our takeaway for today is this. God wants true fellowship with us. And true fellowship is two-way. You see, it's not enough for God to pursue us. He longs to be pursued. He longs to be pursued.